Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Life Church Bible Study Online. We hope you are encouraged, challenged, and most of all, we hope it brings you closer to Jesus. Let's enjoy the study together. Hey, everybody. I'm going to be overviewing Chapter 4 with you today, and I just wanted to take a second and uh, tell you one thing that I immediately thought of when I was going over Chapter 4. Um, it is very repetitive. It does say um, several things again and again in different verbiage, and I know that's hard sometimes to read <laughs> when it's like that. But I sat back and thought about it, and you know, I have children, and so a lot of times um, in this letter from John, it, he refers to his audience as dear children. And a lot of times as a mom, when I have something really important to tell my children, I will repeat myself and I will say it in multiple ways. So hopefully through the various ways, they'll really hear what I'm saying. And so I do think that chapter four is a great chapter and it does challenge us to love people. And if we're loving people well, then we're being good disciples. And that's how we create more disciples who create more disciples. So I do think chapter four is important. So just hang in there with me as it is a little repetitive and we'll work through it together. I'm going to start uh, with the first three verses, so I will start reading uh, verses 1 through 3, and then I'll break those down, and then we'll move on. So, uh, verse 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. Okay, so let's talk about that. Um, we are talking about distinguishing truth from falsehood and from false prophets. And it is, first of all, saying that as Christians and followers of Christ, it is not just the responsibility of the scholars and the pastors and the leaders um, to distinguish truth. It is our responsibility as well. And even though I fully um, support Pastor Matt and I believe everything that he says, it's still my responsibility to go back to the Word and, and see for myself that it is truth and that I'm not just taking someone else's word for it. Um, because it is easy to do, especially when that person is likable and they have a great reputation, it's very easy to want to just trust what they're saying. Um, but the Bible is telling us, and specifically this letter from John, that we need to always do our homework. Um, how do we test scriptures or how do we test what is being said matches what scripture tells us? So there's a few ways. Um, first of all, we should always go back into the word because the word is the truth. So we should always just double check that what we're being told is what is actually the Bible. Um, Saying what they're preaching, are they, look at the fruits of their ministries. Are they always going to be good and fruitful, be growing? And, and that's a great sign that it's truth. Um, and one thing that I feel like is always important to do that we always, a lot of times I always forget to do, is to check the context because it's very easy to pull uh, fragments out and make those fragments fit into what you want it to say or you want it to come across as. 
Whereas a lot of times, if we would just check the context, it could be meant in a totally different way than how we read it. Um, we don't want to just hear something that's people-pleasing, if that makes sense. Like sometimes truth is not always um, easy to hear. So all of these things are ways that we can distinguish truth from false teaching. Um, most importantly, the way that we can distinguish truth from false teaching is, do they believe that God was fully man and fully God? Um, because he was. Jesus was fully human. He was not just a spirit that was on the earth. Um, he was full flesh and blood, and he is also um, divine. So they have to believe those two things are true as well. When we are talking about every spirit in verse 2, um, I'll just recap verse 2. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the Spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. So when it's talking about every spirit in this verse, it's referring to the false prophets and false, and false teachers that we're to be aware of and that we're to check back for truth or, or untruth. Um, if they don't acknowledge something, it means that they're denying it. So if they're denying that um, Jesus was fully man and fully God, then that's probably a very first indication that it's, it's not truthful. The news about false prophets and false messiahs, uh, the coming of the Antichrist was already known about. Jesus had warned the disciples, and so therefore the disciples had already war warned the people the believers that these things were going to happen. So when it's talking about the spirit of the Antichrist uh, in the world, and in the world doesn't mean the physical earth, it means the community of non-believers. Um, it's saying that that hostile attitude of non-believers was already in the world. Um, it's saying the lawless one has not yet been revealed, but his spirit is at work. So that's something we need to be mindful of, and it's just letting us know all of these things are true. These people are going to be in the world that are non-believers, and they're going to be sending a message that is not truth. Um, and that's something that we just want to be mindful of even today. We know that the physical um, roaming of the Antichrist in the world hasn't happened yet, but very much so. We have people with those hostile attitudes that are non-believers, that are people-pleasing and, and of the world and saying things that the world as a whole wants to hear and are preaching that that's truth when it's, it's not. So now let's go on to verses 4 through 6. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. So it's saying that sometimes as Christians, we can feel weak or confused if we hear something that we think may be truth and we question it. That's perfectly normal, I would say, uh, for myself, and I think that that's pretty common, and I would almost question if we never were confused or weak, you know, then why would we need the Holy Spirit? Why would we need our, our faith? So that's completely normal, but what it's saying is that even when we are weak and confused, 
we should stand firm in our faith and we should not stray from the church. Uh, we should just do our research. Let's check our truth. Let's look at the people that we're seeking guidance from. Let's look at their lives and make sure that they're in good standing and in good faith. And then let's just make sure that the things that we know are not truth. Uh, we don't need to believe those and we don't need to, to follow that. Um, we can always have a way of conquering it um, in, without a physical action or um, acting a certain way. Uh, to conquer something doesn't mean you have to get acknowledgement for that. It just means that you can say, you know what, I'm going to refuse to believe that and I'm not going to follow that. And, and that's conquering. It's, it's that simple. Um, we also are not boastful about this ability because it's not something that comes from us. It's something that comes from above, and we wouldn't even have that ability um, if it weren't for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's how we, how we get that attitude and that mindset uh, because it dwells in us. It's not something that we can obtain or learn. It's something that when we are born again as Christians, we are uh, given divinely, and we keep that up by staying in the Word and living a lifestyle of Christ and constantly seeking ways to love people and grow in our relationship there. Um, it's also telling us in verse 5, let me pull that up as a refresher. Verse 5, they are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. So false prophets belong to the community who stand against God. They speak from a worldview and the world listens. So in other words, um, we are not the majority, unfortunately. And we see in our everyday lives um, that we're not popular. Our, our viewpoints are not popular. Uh, a lot of times they don't go along with the, the majority of the group. And we shouldn't be popular. We should be standing out and uh, world leaders, they know what the majority, if you will, the captive audience wants. And they they know what the captive audience wants to hear and see and feel like is being done. And so it's our job as Christians to recognize that and to not give in to that. Uh, verse 6. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. A lot of times the non-believers are not going to want to hear what we have to say. Um, they're not going to be as open to it because they don't know the Lord like we do. They don't have the, the Bible. They don't have the stories and the personal relationship there to even know how good it is. Uh, whereas believers, they're going to be open to hearing what we have to say, or they should be, as you know, we all want to encourage and love on each other and support each other. And that's saying that we know if they're of God or not from God as to how willing they are to hear what another believer has to say. Verses seven through nine is referring to God's love and ours. So uh, I'll start reading verse seven and I'll just go through seven through nine. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. 
So that was a mouthful for me um, when I read this the first time. It's a lot of verbiage about love, and um, I just want to make sure that we don't just skim through it quickly because it is important what it's saying. Um, love comes from God, and a lot of times people try to, in my opinion, mix that up and say, you've heard a lot of times, God is love, um, or love is God, and God is love, love did come from God, but when we try to take our ideas of what love is and say, oh, well, that's God, well, no, maybe not, you know, God's, God's idea of love, His agape love for us is different than what the world says love is. And when the world says love is God, they're trying to say, for instance, you know, love between um, same sex is, is God because it's love. Well, that's not what this is saying. This is the ultimate love, agape love of Jesus sending his son to die for our sins. We cannot even fathom a love greater than that. And so we need to remember that love comes from God. God is love, not necessarily love is God. Um, it's not natural for us. It is divinely given. Um, in other words, the fruits of the Spirit, the way we should love through uh, peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, uh, patience, uh, self-control, gentleness, all of those things, those are things that are inherited through the kingdom of God, through the Holy Spirit, that when we are born-again Christians, we obtain divinely. We don't get to just one day wake up and have these things. These things are things that we work on all the time. Uh, we should be encouraging each other. We should be peaceful. We should be serving each other. We should be kind. Uh, love for people is what seeks a resolution to the problem of sin. And uh, when we are loving people well, no matter what, um, an unconditional love, they eventually will see Christ through our actions of loving them unconditionally. And then maybe they'll start to wonder, oh, what do they have that I don't? And then at that point, maybe that love of others will turn into a relationship with Christ for them, which then obviously they inherit the kingdom, and that is the ultimate uh, solution for sin is to inherit the kingdom and have a relationship with the Lord. Uh, we have our eternal life because of God's love um, that he expresses forever through eternal life. Um, agape love is love in the truest form, and that is what we should strive to give to others. Um, I, I personally don't know that I could ever, ever reach that agape level because I think it's beyond my comprehension uh, right now, that, that, that truest form of love. Uh, because I am earthly, and I do have, obviously, human error and desires, and, you know, I get frustrated. I don't like people when they do certain things, and I, it's hard to love people sometimes when they're difficult, And uh, but we should always be striving for that agape type of love. I'm going to pick up with verse 10. I'm going to carry it through verse 13. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. 
This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. I carried it through 14, but that's okay. We'll, we'll go with it. Um, so again, agape love is the ultimate sacrifice by um, sending Jesus to die for our sins. And by, by doing that and removing sin essentially through Jesus, um, he has now removed the barrier between us and him. So we had the ultimate example of agape love through that sacrifice. And that's, again, what we should strive for. And I know this is repetitive, but again, sometimes repetition means, hey, this is important. I want you to pay attention to what I have to say. So just in a different verbiage, but sometimes people need to hear it in different ways to, to grasp it. So I think here in the reference uh, to agape love, it's saying also that in, we should strive for it, but we should also initiate it. Um, a lot of times it can be very hard to pursue people, um, pursue people that are not living a lifestyle that we condone or, or that we would agree with. And that's the thing, you don't have to agree with something or someone in order to love them and love them through it. So it's challenging us to pursue non-believers and pursue them wholeheartedly and to pursue them until they quit running, so to speak. And not only are we supposed to pursue them and continue to pursue them, but then we're supposed to bless them as well. Um, it actually says, you know, we should give a concrete blessing sometimes. Um, and that's not in this verse, but it is in the Bible that we should, you know, blessing should be a physical action that we do. Um, so by loving others well, we demonstrate how God loves us and how we are made complete. Uh, when, when we're doing all the things that we can to show compassion and to uh, be consistent and be intentional and demonstrate the fruits of the Spirit, we are then portraying that agape love for non-believers to see that through us, how we see it through Jesus, if you got me. <laughs> Um, again, it's that whole thing, you know, I want someone who doesn't know Jesus that knows me to go, oh, I wonder what she has that I don't have. I want that agape love to be the thing that makes them question, what am I missing? Um, it's also important to know that it's not about how many people we are ministering to and let's say loving on at the time. Um, it, and, and something you're called to do may be a numbers thing where, hey, I want you to feed 50 people. Okay, wonderful. Feed 50 people. But I think this is saying on a daily basis when we live our lives, it's not about how many people we come across that day that were intentionally put in our path or at this time in my life. It's not about how many people are in my circle that are non-believers, but how well and how much Am I loving on the ones that are put in front of me right now? Um, right now, I'll tell you, um, Kenneth and I have a couple. It's two people that we're being very intentional with. I don't have more than two at this moment, but I, I know that these two people are put in my life right now for this season for a reason. And so it's about how well I'm doing my job to show them that agape love and minister to them 
not necessarily about how many more people can I hurry up and try, oh, you know, you're a non-believer. Let me just grab you into my circle. You know, we want things to be intentional and real and people know when it's not intentional. They can feel that. Uh, so we are making God visible through our actions for the people who cannot see him um, or see, we can't see God either. But I mean, the people who don't know Jesus and don't have that to be their example, we should be that example of Christ to them. So we have to make God visible through our actions and lives. Um, again, it talks about how we cannot see God, and we know that Moses asked to see God, and God told him, you can't see me and live. And so how do we know that Jesus was real and, and all those things when we weren't here to see that? Well, there are apostles and eyewitnesses who had firsthand experiences with Jesus when he was here on the earth. And as Christians, we believe what the Word says, and the Word tells us about these firsthand experiences, so therefore, those are carried on to us. So, we have to um, then take their physical firsthand view and turn that into our spiritual view. So again, um, continuing that on, we're going to go ahead and read verses uh, 15 through 17. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Okay, so... Again, anyone who confesses um, that Jesus is, is our Savior and um, He was the Messiah and He came to the earth to die for our sins, the ultimate sacrifice, and um, He was resurrected and is in heaven again. You know, they are, they are believers and they are made new just like we are. And anyone has that opportunity, of course, uh, not just certain groups of people. And so, because we are made new and because now we are believers, we can be confident on the day of judgment of where we're going. Uh, we don't have to live in fear. Um, fear is um, obviously a, a scary thing, ha! Huh? <laughs> uh, but as Christians, we have nothing to fear, truly. Um, we, we know where we're going and we have been saved from punishment. So, we can look forward to the day of judgment. Uh, we get to have that fresh beginning with a face-to-face -face relationship with Jesus. And how can we not be excited for that? Um, that is something that we don't have to fear. We can just uh, be joyful about because I don't know about you, but I can't imagine what that day is going to be like uh, to start that face-to-face -face relationship. Uh, we get to have confidence in the relationship that we've created um, through all these things we've been talking about, through loving on people, um, like Christ loved us, and checking for truth, and getting in the Word, and living a lifestyle for Him. All of these things just make us even more excited for that day that we get to be reunited uh, with loved ones and, and just the community of Christians that are waiting on us. So once again, continuing the conversation about fear, in verse 18 it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love's drop." 
Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Again, just reiterating that as Christians, we have nothing to fear. We are confident in that relationship that we created and that we chose to be a part of. And so we get to just look forward and have a great celebration. So we're going to move on to uh, the final charge uh, for the chapter. We're going to read verses 19 through 21. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he gives, he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. So our job is to love others because he loved us first. Um, you know, when you're dating or in a relationship, you can tease each other about who loved the other one first and that kind of thing. But this is a, a prime example of there's no question that we were loved first. And that love that was demonstrated to us first is so amazing and so perfect that that is what we are to mirror back and, and try to share with others. Uh, our lives must reflect um, Christ in order to disciple. And how do we disciple? Well, we disciple by our lifestyle and by our actions following our words and by pursuing people and being intentional and again just um, building that relationship and seeking that relationship and just continually finding needs that we can meet uh, to bring them over to our side and we do that with the fruits of the spirit um, again I know I talked about it earlier but it really is that simple, <laughs> but if we just really, truly strive to have the qualities of the fruits of the Spirit, and we try to make those the forefront of our mind each day, and remind ourselves, how do I love someone today? Well, I can be kind and gentle and patient. I can demonstrate peace. Um, I can have self-control, because let me tell you, I am a mama of some boys that can make me lose my mind, and uh, it's very easy to, to lose self-control sometimes, And but that's the way that I disciple my children, is when I do mess up, I can say, hey, I'm so sorry, I know I'm the adult in this situation, I messed up, and I need your forgiveness, and that's the same thing we need to carry on to people and non-believers is we need to just um, have that open relationship and, and share that agape love. And I think that ultimately this chapter is just telling us that in order to carry out our legacy and to be disciples who produce more disciples who produce more disciples is to demonstrate that agape love and just love people. And I know I said that 50,000 times today, but I really just, this, the message to me over and over again for chapter uh, four was love people, love people, love people. So y'all have a great week and see how you can love on some people. <laughs>